0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryan over there, and Jerry's even here, which means this is a bona fide, bona fide, shut-your-mouth episode of Stuff You Should Know.
0: Right, until Jerry's like, we gotta go. I,
1: know. I wasn't going <laughs> to out her like that, but you did, so she'll probably hey. end up being sore at me about it, though.
0: We're all busy these days. Seriously, life, man. Lifetime's 100, right? Yeah. I mean, 13 years in, and we're still working out technical difficulties. I know. <laughs> I know. But we're working it out. We're working it out, Chuck, like a, a
1: brilliant scientist, one of my all-time favorites, and a frequent guest star of the show in the early years, Paul Barocca
0: yeah it's been a while, huh?
1: yeah like he worked out a little puzzle that he had handed to him almost literally in the eighteen seventies.
0: <laughs> That's right. This is one of those where I was positive we had covered it before,
1: oh really no i knew I knew for a fact we hadn't and i'll I'll explain why in a minute. I'll explain well, why we now. did
0: it It had to be on a an internet roundup or something. I don't think so, ma'am. I know we talked about uh, the movie Pie when he drilled a hole in his head. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, I just can't remember what episode or what it, what format it was.
1: Maybe you're right. Maybe it was an internet roundup. Because I could see us talking about that uh, internet group doing that kind of stuff. The International Trepanation Advocacy Group, I'll bet.
0: I even went to our Wikipedia page because they have – a. a, a place where they list things that we've redone
1: oh yeah i didn't see that
0: yeah and by the way i I wanted to put out a call if you are a wikipedia editor our page is years and years and years out of date (laughs) it says that we're writers for how stuff works we haven't written for them in what like eight years it's been a little while yeah so if anyone wants to update it it's got i mean god bless her i miss rebecca but it said that rebecca is our web publisher right
1: (laughs) that's a long time ago. Yeah, it has been a little while.
0: So. so, anyway, if anyone feels like blowing the dust off of that thing, feel well, free.
1: Okay, so, well, that was a great call out, Chuck. But let's get back to trepanation, okay? And like you said <laughs> before we started recording. Oh, no. Chuck said he has <laughs> no trepidation about trepanation. That was for your ears. That was great, though. It was definitely worth sharing. Terrible. But so maybe I mentioned it before then because I always associate trepanation with this little – Second, one second long snippet from those Time Life Mysteries of the Unknown book ads from the like 1990. There's like one moment where they like show somebody like doing a trepanation surgery on somebody else's head in like a cave by torchlight.
0: I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I was like, wait, what is that? I want to know more about that. So, this has been sitting in our back pocket all this time. And I guess we busted it out at least once before. It had to have been Internet Roundup. It definitely wasn't an episode.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right. But Unless we talked about it during lobotomies, I don't know.
1: It could have been. It could have been, Chuck, because a lot of people say, well, yeah, the lobotomy was the the natural progression to um, – trepanation. But not really. No, no, it's actually, that's incredibly false. It turns out trepanation is maybe one of the oldest medical techniques, if not the oldest medical technique we have aside from like slapping someone on the back when they're choking. That might be older, (laughs) but we don't have any evidence to back that up. We actually have the evidence from trepanation and to get back to Monsieur Broca. Um, Famous for the Broca's area, which is the first region of the brain that demonstrated localized um, function. Like the speech center is... um, It it produces speech, and it's the first time we could ever say this part of the brain is responsible for this function, and Broca was the guy who did that. He uh, had a skull handed to him in the 1870s, and it turned out to be an Incan skull. I couldn't find out anywhere how old it was, but we can guess that by the time Broca got his hands on it, it was at least a couple hundred years old, if not more than a thousand years old.
0: Yeah, can you imagine the feather in your cap of you're just sitting around with your other cohorts, you're mm-hmm. like, I have a part of the brain named after me, by the way, so I don't I know, know what you guys have done. but I know. They're
1: like, Paul, you end every not argument bad. with that. <laughs> Hi,
0: I'm Paul Broca Broca's Area. He's how he introduced <laughs> <Right>. himself. It <laughs> says it on his card, too. Paul Broca, comma Broca's Area. Uh, yeah, so yeah, he was obviously like, well, this is an interesting thing, because what he was looking at was a piece of, sc- what was his human skull, where a piece of it had been Purposefully cut away Mm -hmm. and removed uh, remarkably well. And it actually started to grow back, which indicates that whoever had this performed on them, that means they survived and was trying to heal. Yeah. At least for a little while.
1: Yeah. Like, it takes a little time for the bone to heal around, like, a skull cut away. So, yeah, they had to have lived, I think in some cases I've seen... Um, when the skull starts growing back, it indicates at least a year of survival. So oh, wow, okay. So, yeah. Who's gonna ask that? So I but I only saw that one or two places. I, I didn't see exactly like I don't know a hundred percent, but it seems like it's it's a little while, right? It's not like a it's day or be. two. Right? Yeah. So the thing is is like Broca's sitting here saying, like, okay, this is this is evidence of um like this is a purposeful medical procedure. I believe that this person had had their brain cut into to treat some form of malady or something like that. It's a proto-brain surgery, basically. And it was called trepanation. And Paul Broca went to the uh, French Anthropological Society, I think which he founded. Yeah, That was another thing he did. He was the founder of the Anthropological Society. Yeah, and they still were like, no, you got this one wrong, Paul. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But he went to them and said as much, and they're like, no, that's just not possible. And here's the thing that stuck out to me, Chuck. It wasn't that they were saying it's not possible— that somebody could cut into someone else's head because yeah. these, these people, these members of the Anthropological Society or just people in general in France in the 1870s were well aware of that procedure. It, it had a name, trepanation, and mm-hmm. you could go to the hospital and get trepanned depending on what kind of problem you had with your head. So, it's not like they were just totally— uh, unfamiliar with this, they were super familiar with it, what they refused to believe is that some other society, a non-European society, especially one removed in time, was yeah. capable of performing the surgery and in performing it in a good enough way that the person could possibly survive it.
0: Yeah. I mean, they were like, I just I just don't know. That sounds like they certainly weren't performing medical procedures. The Incas weren't doing that. Right. And he was like, I don't know. Look at that hole. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty purposeful to me. Yeah, and so what Broca figured out was
1: he was the first one to really stumble upon this evidence that this medical procedure that they were carrying out in the hospitals, trepanation, was part of like a, a really ancient medical procedure virtually unchanged in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, the tools that they used were kind of changed and kind of updated, but basically the procedure they were carrying out in the hospitals of France in the 1870s and elsewhere in Europe and America was basically the same thing that people were doing thousands of years ago and had been doing for thousands of years as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, they were doing it so much in Europe in the 18th century, it was known as the, is it trepan or trepan? I say trepan. Trepan mm-hmm. the Trepan century, or uh, because it's us, we'll call it the Golden Age of Trepanation. <laughs> Although Calling. now I'm doubting myself, it seems like the Golden Age might have been, you know, a thousand years ago.
1: Yeah, I think you might be right about that too. Uh,
0: but it started out as a, a veterinary practice, and we'll get a little bit to uh, a little bit. You know, they were. We'll get to the famous cow later on, right? The but, ancient cow. But in the 18th century, they think that it
1: started out as a veterinary practice.
0: Correct. And then we'll get to the ancient cow a bit later. But it extended humans after the veterinary procedures. And, you know, doctors at the time were like, you know, we think it's useful. We think it helps out with certain things that we'll get to as well. But they said it's also killing a lot of people. And it's got a survival rate of about 10%. And here's the little, like, whopper of a detail here. Mm -hmm. The survival rate in ancient times, was really, really high.
1: Yeah. Like, it it made the modern survival rate just look embarrassingly
0: low. It was flip-flopped, really, wasn't it?
1: Yes. And that golden age, like you were mentioning, it seems like the golden age of trepanation occurred thousands of years before modern medicine ever came around. And that when modern medicine came around and kind of took over trepanation, it really dropped the ball, kind of.
0: Well, yeah, and then, you know, of course, once he finds that one skull, uh, other skulls start coming forward. <laughs> mm-hmm. They start walking forward mm-hmm. and saying, hey, check me out. I'm out here as evidence as well, which uh, was pretty remarkable.
1: That's like, have you ever seen that Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode on the screaming skull? No. It's like the, the villain in the, the <laughs> in the movie is like a skull that can move around and fly at people. Kind of like <laughs> yeah. the bunny from um, – That's exactly it. Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but it's a skull right. version of that.
0: <laughs> uh, they found, or we now know, that the oldest uh, trepan skull comes all the way back from about 8,000 years ago in the Stone Age during the mm-hmm. Mesolithic. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I and, take back my 1st mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and that was 8,000 years ago. And, like, this is the beginnings of sort of… Uh, Planting things and eating vegetables and, like, building cities. Like, the very beginnings of civilization, basically.
1: Yeah. And we're, like, cutting holes into one another's heads. And we found evidence of this stuff, like, all over the world. This wasn't just, like, one, one weirdo city doing this. Like, this was... Everywhere In places that were really removed from one another, like there's evidence of ancient trepanation among indigenous peoples in Canada and North America. There's the same thing in Ukraine, North Africa, Portugal, everywhere, the, the Scandinavia, the Iraq. <laughs> um all over the place there there's evidence of of trepan skulls that turn up south america's another one and so it, it just kind of goes to show you either it was something that evolved independently in all these places or it's so ancient that it it originated somewhere and then managed to spread out as people spread across the globe which is pretty interesting either way
0: yeah and it was it it got like really popular this stat really got me uh during the copper age which was just after Stone Age, they found that about 5 to 10% of all skulls that they found mm-hmm. uh, from the Neolithic area were trepanned.
1: Yeah, not just, yeah, like, f- te- like up to 10% of all the skulls that have ever turned up had holes cut into their skull. And the thing is, is like we were saying, like, if, if that had just been it, if that were the sum total of it that, you know, well, that's really interesting, people used to cut holes in, in their skulls, and that was it. Um, it would still be worth remark- remarking on, you know, or talking sure. about. Probably would have just stayed at the Internet Roundup. But the reason that it's worth a whole episode is because of that survival rate, that not only do they cut skulls in each other's heads with with rocks, actual rocks, Um the people survived these operations and may have actually been improved as a result of these operations and that it had been going on for thousands of years and still kind of continues today. That's what really makes the whole thing noteworthy. And and when you look back at trepanation in like the Mesolithic and Neolithic era, um, like that's part of medical history. It's not just some weird thing that people used to do in other cultures. Like that was the beginning of a surgery that we still carry out today. I don't think we can get that across enough.
0: Yeah, there's a neuroscientist named Charles G. Gross that put the estimate of uh survival sometimes up to 90%, 50 to 90%. Yeah. And then uh a survey of skulls from the Iberian Peninsula 75% showed uh evidence that they had healed or at least were healing at that site, which means they lived for a while. Um, like you said, skull just doesn't grow overnight. it takes a little while, yeah, and as long as that blood's flowing, I guess it's healing uh and then that actually dropped, so like I said, that's flip flopped from success rates, you know thousands and thousands of years later in Europe right uh and then, when the Holy Roman Empire was doing this in medieval Europe, they weren't doing it as good. They had a higher mortality rate, and the thinking is is because they used um knives and then like wiped them off and the knives got really dirty whereas in the olden days they would fashion like brand new tools out of bone and rock and stuff mm-hmm. and you know they were i guess comparatively pretty sanitary
1: yeah because if you if you nap um you know cut off the face of a rock to create a new stone tool to, to perform a trepanation, that rock hasn't been exposed to anything. It's basically sterile now because you just cut off the face and now you're using it. Whereas if you're performing surgery using the same tools and all you're doing is washing it off, like that's just bacteria city. And it's not that hard to get a brain infection when you cut into a skull using reusing tools that have just been kind of washed off with water a little bit. So, yeah, that was probably a really good reason why the um, survival rate went down. But one of the reasons why it was so high also earlier is because people like even back in the Mesolithic and Neolithic seem to have understood a couple of things. And one was you stay away from the mater, which is that really hard, tough, not hard, but really tough uh, membrane that encases the brain and the spinal cord, and protects it from the outside, even if your skull cracks open. As long as you stay away from that and don't cut into that, your your chances of survival are pretty high. And ancient people seem to have really understood this. They also knew to stay away from sutures, which is where your skull, the pieces of your skull, which are not set, which are not um, fused together when you're born, they fuse as you grow older. The places, the lines where your skull plates. Uh, form together. Those are called sutures. And they also need to stay away from those as well. So apparently if you just do those few things and create a new stone tool every time you perform the surgery, your your survival rate is going to go through the roof.
0: Yeah. And, you know, before we get called out, maybe we shouldn't refer to those stone tools as sterile. Maybe we should just say like pretty clean for the time. Clean enough. How about that? <laughs> yeah, clean enough for rock and roll. Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, I guess we should take a break. Right set up. Yeah,
1: I thought so too, man.
0: And uh, we'll come back and try and answer the big question after this, which is, why the heck were they doing this? So they know this was happening. They know it was working pretty well and that people were surviving at remarkable rates. Mm -hmm. But the big sort of $54,000 question that they had then and that we're still trying to kind of figure out and we don't know for sure is, like, why would they do this to begin with? Why would they dig into a person's head and cut out a piece of their skull 8,000 years ago? Uh, And, you know, we've got some decent ideas that all make sense to me.
1: Yeah um and it, the the whole problem is is kind of like like put you have to put yourself in the mentality in the shoes in the world view of somebody who was had no shoes <laughs> right, exactly. There's a huge difference the right there. The bare feet of tuk-tuk. People who are still humans, they were modern humans in every sense of the word, aside from not living in the modern era. Um, but they didn't have the benefit of, you know, a general knowledge of medicine that that just about every human alive has today, just from living in the 21st century. Right. Um, or just kind of under, having read about something on the Internet. You know, like, there's just so many thi- pieces of the way we see the world that we take for granted because it's just there's just so many ways that we absorb information and there's so much information available to us that wasn't before that to to kind of remove yourself from that and put yourself in the position of somebody six thousand years ago and and to understand what they were thinking when they were cutting into yeah. someone 's head that drove that purpose it's really tough to do but yeah like you were saying there's some some uh, researchers have come up with some pretty Good ideas, general ideas, um, broad categories that you could probably put just about anything into. And there's actually three researchers that are worth shouting out. There was um, uh, Lopez, Caro, and Pardinas, three Spanish researchers who wrote a 2011 paper that um, was a pretty – one of the better recent comprehensive uh, looks at at trepanation, ancient trepanation.
0: Yeah, so one of the reasons – and like you said – you. I mean, I don't think it's lazy, but you could kind of slap these reasons on anything that happened back then. Yeah. Uh, one of them was magic or religious, um, like, you know, free the demons from someone's head. I kind of read that as uh, possibly to to help cure mental illness, which they were definitely doing in Europe thousands of years later. Yeah. So I don't see why they wouldn't have maybe done the same thing. Uh, but I mean, it's it's remarkable, though, to think that eight thousand years ago that they they knew enough or were guessing enough to know that there is even a brain in there that was uh, really important to the human body. That you know was calling the shots,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean like how do they even know that. I don't know. And similarly that whole idea that like the third eye, that right. that, that part that kind of connects you to the to the metaphysical world Um, was located somewhere, you know, in the front of your head, which I think is actually right where the pineal gland was, which is later associated with that too, Um, that kind of falls into that same tranche as well, the magic religious, which is Mm -hmm. um, to kind of open yourself to a greater plane of spirituality. Like they think that uh, in some some, uh, dimensions or in some cultures, um, like shaman or medicine people or... Um, the high priests, whoever were were kind of responsible for that, would would possibly be Trepan to kind of connect to that that different level, that other way of thinking.
0: Yeah, another one, and this is definitely one that you could probably say explains away a lot of things is some sort of initiation right, uh, child passing into adulthood at you know at the age of seven or. Uh, if you want to turn someone to into a great warrior, maybe before some big battle, mm-hmm. uh hopefully just
1: a little bit a before room. that
0: big battle, <laughs> yeah. you know, just to give him a chance to heal up yeah uh but that you know that makes sense. They did all kinds of things back then for rites of passage, so why not this
1: um there's also those to me are the ones that are the hardest to to grasp. I think even harder than magic religious, the ones for, for initiation, it's not grasp. I mean to um, to pin down definitively to say, yes, it's exactly what was going on here. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and then follow like real legit medical purposes. Like if someone, if tuk had epilepsy or something or chronic migraine headaches, uh, any weird changes in behavior or convulsions or anything like that. They uh, maybe tumors, Mm -hmm. um, as a literal way to maybe relieve uh, like brain swelling or pressure on the brain, which is, I mean, if that's real, then that's that's remarkable because that is very much a medical procedure that they still do today, craniotomies.
1: Right. And then kind of tied into that is a treatment of trauma, uh, specifically head wounds. And there's an anthropologist who specializes in, I think, um, maybe the Inca, uh, his name's John Rizzo, and he thinks that the ink with the Inca at least um and the Inca went on to become prolific trepanners. I think maybe half of all of the trepan skulls that have been discovered came from the Inca. They were big time into trepanning. um but he thinks that their their um tre- trepanation may have started when somebody was picking bone out of a head wound to like clean it or or treat it. Mm-hmm. And that that person went on to survive and they thought, well, okay, maybe this is a thing. Maybe like you want a hole in your head or um, if you have a hole in your head, it's supposed to be a little more cleaner than, you know, just bones sticking out. And that, you know, you can, it's not hard to make the leap to, okay, we're actually going to carve a hole in your head to maybe treat something else that ha- is associated with the head to us. Um, that That's not really a big stretch, to tell you the truth. I definitely buy into it.
0: Yeah, the one I didn't see, which um, I think is, is sort of plausible, is just like ancient curiosity. Sure, what happens when I carve a hole in my friend's head? Sure, or what's in that thing? What is in this round thing? Mm-hmm that has this very hard protective covering, like maybe something important is in there that we should take a peek at.
1: I wonder, because I know that there's like a mechanism among people against self-harm.
0: Right. And
1: it, I feel like there's a mechanism against harm
0: as well. I don't know how like old Like just it letting is. someone do that?
1: Yeah, or harming somebody, like doing that to somebody else. You know what I mean? Like there's just, it's almost like there's some innate sense of like you shouldn't shouldn't crack open a head. Someone's or yourselves or your own um and that is, there's like some innate instinct against it, and i I would guess it's older than ten thousand years old, you know,
0: yeah, and you know you made a great point, and you you put this one together yourself uh that even if it was to like because there was a head injury or something like that, that's a big difference, like treating a wound uh, with some sort of surgical procedure is way, way different than that being the surgical procedure mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and it's there. That's where it's, like, murky. That's where it's, like, okay, you're really kind of making some assumptions and leaps here when you put yourself in that person's position and try to say this is why they were doing it. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, like, the medical thing to reduce infl- – like, maybe they did have some really vague understanding of what swelling was mm-hmm. in, uh, in, on other parts of the body, and maybe it just made sense. I don't know. It's, I mean, I think it it might be – an overlapping of all these reasons, um, and also like, hey, we did this for this thing, so why not try it for this thing? That kind of deal.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think like, um, like I, I, I get what you're saying with the curiosity, but I think tied into that is is observation too. Like, somebody falls down and hits their head on a rock, or they're attacked by some other group and gets hit on the head with a rock, and Can they see brain people. Yeah, and people. Like right. the other people around like watch what happens just out of natural curiosity mm-hmm. and they learn from that. So I, I feel like it was probably a series of accidents and that, that knowledge was gleaned from that that kind of got passed along and then developed into an actual procedure, you know?
0: Yeah. And then, you know, there are other cases where it they may not fall into any of these categories. I think uh people in modern day Hungary during the Neolithic, they did this after death. Mm-hmm. As a funeral rite, which I think, I guess that could fall into magic religious reasons. sure, Or rite of passage even.
1: Especially if you believe that there's some other, there's some part of the body that survives after death that maybe needs to escape or whatever. I could see trepanning a skull to let that out, to go on to the afterlife. Again, I, I mean, I, I'm well aware I'm falling victim to the very thing I was warning about, that I'm just totally putting <laughs> myself into their shoes and answering for them. Like, it's, I'm not a... I'm not a professional anthropologist, just an intense hobbyist, you know?
0: (laughs) And what was the deal with the Russians that were were trepanning uh, where the man bun sits?
1: Yeah, so that's the uh, Obelian, I think. Yeah. Yeah, which is a really risky place to trepan because that's where the blood supply to your head collects. Like where I saw it described, I think, on the BBC, is where a high ponytail would be gathered. That's the where man the, bun. Yeah. That's where the blood that's going to be distributed throughout your brain first collects and gathers. So it's really risky to cut in there. And I think something like 1% or less of all the trepan skulls ever found show a trepanation site there. And yet there's um, a number of... Uh, Ch- uh calcolithic copper age skulls that have been found that are um endemic to Russia only that have the trepanation at that site and they seem to have been healthy and they s- most of them seem to have healed so they're like we're pretty sure this is some sort of ritual maybe yeah. an uh, uh, an initiation i could see that being like a warrior thing or like a you know priestly class kind of thing early KGB yeah, probably probably they stuck some sort of proto microchip in there to keep an eye on everybody. Uh
0: so I mentioned the famous cow um like we mentioned it was uh, a purposeful veterinary procedure in Europe in the in what they call the golden age of trepanation. Mm-hmm. Uh in the 18th century, but they found a cow skull from uh about 5 to 6000 years ago in France. That was the uh, so far the first sign of trepanation on an animal, and this was another one where it was like it was clear that it was very purposeful. It wasn't a fracture, it wasn't a, a cow fight or cow scrap. Uh, there wasn't a tumor or at least no signs of anything like that. Mm-hmm. But they did find a very purposeful trepanation, and uh, it could have been. It's either either way. It's cool. It could have been them practicing on an animal before they did it on humans, which shows pretty decent amount of sophistication medically. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it's just early veterinary medicine, which is also remarkable.
1: Yeah, and either way, it's as far as we know the earliest example of either one of those. So, yeah, yeah. it's a it's a cow skull worth hanging on to if it ever comes oh, they into, all your, are. into your possession. Um, so, hanging over the door, put right. it on your front bumper. But, I mean, it's a special one because it's got a hole like right in the front. I've seen a picture of it. It's pretty cool That's looking. right. So, um, once we enter history, things become a lot clearer because, by definition, everybody wrote stuff down. That's when you enter history, right? It's recorded. And the ancient Greeks continued trepanning. And I would guess, Chuck, that the reasons and the procedures that the ancient Greeks were performing as far as trepanation goes Mm -hmm. closely resembled stuff that, that the reasons and the procedures from prehistory as well.
0: Yeah. we uh, Like you said, once they started writing stuff down, we could read it in uh, the Hippocratic Corpus, which was a collection of ancient Greek medical texts mm-hmm. uh, from the teachings of Hippocrates, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they talk about therapeutic reasonings behind it, some of the ones that we al- already talked about, basically, um, including something called uh, Places in Man – which is one of the texts in there. And it recommended trepanation for the pre- uh, prevention of um, probably swelling because of skull fractures.
1: And swelling. And then they were also preventing infection of that dura mater, um, that membrane that inc- encases the brain. Um, and they were saying basically, if you have a fracture, especially a fracture along one of the sutures, you want to actually trepan and open up a bigger hole because pus can get into the fracture that suture, yeah. and it can't get back out, and it's going to infect the dura mater and the brain and have all, cause all sorts of problems. So you want to open up a larger hole to let some of that pus out and clean some of the pus out, and that's pretty sophisticated. That's brain surgery they're describing right there. And you know, Hippocrates was in the third, I think, third or fourth century BCE. So, um, like, if they understood this by this time, keep pus out of the mater, You know, mm-hmm. what did they understand a thousand years before, five hundred years before? They just they just weren't writing it down, but they still uh, they still had that knowledge. You know what I'm saying? That's my guess. Yeah,
0: I'm going to go ahead and throw in, and this this is so official it can go on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> I'm going with pus as my worst word, worse than moist. <laughs> Oh, pus is way, way worse. What about really moist A, a pus? turkey can be moist, but a turkey with pus. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> you know? A, a turkey could be moist with pus.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, man. I can't take that word. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's the worst. It's the worst Especially the worst for a three-letter
1: word. Usually three-letter, it's not packing a big punch. You need four or is five. Is it just three letters?
0: Yeah, P U S. I thought, oh yeah, I guess never mind. <laughs> uh, mentioning uh, earlier that mental illness, like you know, releasing the demons or something, could have been a reason uh-huh. thousands of years ago, yeah. and that they also did that in medieval Europe. There was something called the Stone of Madness mm-hmm. uh, that where they believed that was an actual like stone inside your head, like a foreign, literal foreign object that caused people to go crazy. And there are even painters uh, specifically. Hieronymus Bosch and others who depicted the surgery removing the stone of madness.
1: Yeah. Have you seen that painting? It's a pretty famous one.
0: Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. I mean I wouldn't want it on my wall, but.
1: And so so it's almost like understanding of um you wouldn't want it you wouldn't want it next to your frame poster of the guy melting with stoned again written underneath it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then that's right next to the kitten that's uh, going to hang in there hang in there baby <laughs> um so uh it's 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 worth pointing out
1: again that by the time the medieval era and even the renaissance came around we had we had gotten really bad at trepanation as far as survival rates go and our reasons for it possibly had degraded as well you know uh
0: yeah and just real quickly my favorite part of that painting is the The funnel on the surgeon's head.
1: Yeah, well, I was reading
0: about that, and I read (laughs) in— What's the deal?
1: So, if you notice also, there's a nun seated at the table where the man is being trepanned, Uh and she's wearing a book on her head.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, maybe that was for balance practice, at least.
1: Supposedly, Bosch was basically mocking the doctor and the nun um, Uh for— like basically taking them to task, su- suggesting they should know better that that a stone of madness was BS, and that they shouldn't be inflicting this on this poor this poor individual who wouldn't necessarily know better. Because I think he's depicted as a fool in it, so he's he wouldn't so he's have any. No, no, no. The patient, the doctor, and the oh. nun should know better than to perform this kind of gotcha. surgery on somebody because there is no stone of madness. That was the interpretation yeah. I read, which makes that me like Bosch with- even more. <laughs> With the uh, armadillo in his trousers. <laughs> yeah, really. Nice work there. <laughs> his Bosch. breeches. So you want to take a, a second break and come back and explain a little bit more about how this might happen?
0: Yeah. Okay. And how they even did it. We'll be Does that ra- sound good?
1: Yeah, we'll be right back, everybody. Right, so our old pals Lopez, Caro, and Pardinas, the Spanish researchers who wrote that 2011 paper, um, also kind of said, hey, we've, we've got some general ways from what we can tell. There's some like three, maybe four I saw, but you can really lump them into three categories of how trepanation surgery was performed. Um, and they are basically, they boil down to grooving, scraping, and boring and cutting. And if you just wiggle in your seat, that's the appropriate response to hearing about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, the first one I get, um, that makes sense to me, if I had a skull and primitive tools, the way that I would cut a hole in it mm-hmm. would probably be to groove it. That is to uh, take a hard stone, something really sharp that you probably even sharpen further, and and carve, basically do little digging little half turns or full turns in a circle, uh, you know, carving in till you can kind of just pop that thing off or lift it off. You You don't want to, there's nowhere to pop it into.
1: You know one of those, yeah, you don't want to pop it into your brain. Into your brain. Um, You know one of those like apple cores that's like kind of like an open tube? It's like open in the middle? Yeah. And there is such a thing as an apple core, by the way. But if you took one of those... And you put a handle a crosswise handle on top to grip that's mm-hmm. that was kind of the tool that you would use for grooving and there's actually the the Romans had it, the Greeks had it I think there's I saw a picture of a sixteenth century trepanation kit that had one of those. It's a really ancient tool, but yeah. like you're saying, you could also do it with a stone and I think grooving sounds pretty bad scraping I think would be worse,
0: yeah. I didn't quite understand scraping. It sounded like grooving to me. Oh no. So But I'm no dancer. <laughs> imagine, <laughs> imagine
1: that somebody has peel back part of your uh your your scalp.
0: Yeah. And I'm this with is you there. this
1: is worth pointing out. Like cutting into your scalp is far and away the worst part. Once you do that, your skull and your brain, they don't have pain receptors. Yeah. So it's the scalp Cut, being cut back that actually really hurts and produces the most blood. So sure. once you you're have like they that, do
0: brain surgery with you awake like now. Precisely because you don't or they can. you're
1: you you do not feel any pain um, because there's not pain receptors there. So once you have the scalp peeled back what they do with scraping or what they would do is take a very sharp rock and then later on tools too but they're basically taking advantage of the fact that your skull is curved and just making a straight motion kind of like you would with like a wood um is it a wood lath, a wood rasp, something like that, where you're just scraping <laughs> away little by little wood, but you're doing this instead with the skull until you finally wear a hole into the skull that's the scraping technique okay, I guess that sounds
0: a little like grooving to me, but
1: no grooving is like taking a circular tube, putting yeah. it down on top of the skull, and twisting it back and forth until yeah, you I like get all that, yeah, yeah. It's different. It's definitely different. I'll show you All one. Right. I'll, I'll show you.
0: We'll get a cow skull. Uh, and then, boy, I have one, no problem. Okay. Uh, boring and cutting. This one was not uh, used much in Europe. I think this is more of a South American Arabic jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in Africa. This is when, and this is something that uh, is sort of a carpentry trick. If you're ever, carpentry trick, if you're caught without the right saw, maybe. mm mm-hmm um let's say you, you wanted to make a hole in in a piece of wood and all you had was a drill you would drill little holes in a circle and then you know as close together as you can right. and then from there it's not too hard to kind of punch out the areas in between
1: but instead you're doing this with a skull
0: that's right and you don't have a drill and uh this one to me would be the one that's the most rough around the edges, probably.
1: Right. Yeah. They they know that this is the technique used when they find a skull that has like a serrated opening. And yeah. apparently the Inca were super fond of that one, right?
0: Sure. As as I did this just last week, actually, <laughs> right. but not in a skull. It's <laughs> cause I was stuck without a saw and all I had was my drill, so I did that. And it works okay. You just got to have like some sandpaper, a uh, file or something to kind of smooth it out.
1: Well, yeah, I saw like one of the ways that they thought they might have done the drill is by r- rolling the, you know, a pointed sharp, I guess, rock in between your two palms, you know, like you're trying to start a fire, which is actually something I saw that that the ancient people would have known. You want to avoid heating the bone. Whatever technique you're using, you got to stop and like rest for a little while to prevent the bone from heating up because you don't want to transfer that heat. You don't want to start a fire inside the skull, <laughs> which is essentially what you could all also be doing if you're not careful with letting the friction, the heat produced by the friction to cool off in between little sessions.
0: Yeah, it's funny that this came up now because um, you know, I mentioned a couple of times watching that survival show on History Channel Alone mm-hmm. where you have you can bring like ten things and then they throw you out in the woods. There's a new spin off series now called Alone Beast, where it's only thirty days, but you take nothing but the clothes on your back. So the people that are dropped here are are literally fashioning stone tools and stuff. And it's it's kinda cool to watch.
1: That's cool. At least they have clothes on.
0: They have clothes, and that's it. I guess the next step would be n- naked, and uh, the the beast thing comes in is that the only thing they give you is a one large dead animal.
1: Oh, it's dead. Like, I'd be like Why in the
0: bayou, it's me? an alligator, and the Arctic, it's like a or a, or a boar, and the Arctic, it's like a moose or a buffalo or something. I see, and, but it's not, not for
1: companionship. Just,
0: no, no, no. The animal is dead. And they're like, this is all you got. So you can, you know, use their bones. Like an animal's jawbone is really useful because that's like super sharp uh-huh. and uh, a boar's uh, tusk is, can be really sharp. So they make knives out of that stuff. Gotcha. And, and they use some of these carving and boring te- grooving techniques to break off bone to make like sharper things.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I'll bet getting your, your hands on that first tusk or that first jawbone to get started is pretty messy.
0: Well, it is, and they have to get in these—I mean, it's kind of gruesome, especially if you're uh, a vegetarian, but yeah, they have to get into these animals without a knife to begin with. Right. So they have to start with, like, as sharp a rock as they can get, basically, and go from there.
1: How ghastly. This is it's just pretty reality ghastly. television now. Well, I mean, sh- sure. <laughs> <That's
0: crazy. laughs> I guess so. <laughs> wow. Next up is the Stone of Madness. <laughs> Well, I think it's kind of interesting because it's not like, ooh, look at some cool modern reality idea. It's like, well, let's take people back to the Stone Age and see how they could do.
1: No, I get that. I get that. That's that's cool. But you just know there's a coked up producer 15 feet away. You're really kind of dragging (laughs) the whole thing down
0: as far as the Stone
1: Age goes. Yes, correct. (laughs) So, um, you might be saying, Chuck, uh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're cutting into your head here. And, yeah, maybe the the bone doesn't hurt and the brain doesn't have pain receptors. But it's going to hurt to get to the skull. What are they doing here? Um, And it depends on where you are. Um, A lot of places supposedly just use restraint. Like you were awake. You were not anesthetized. There were just a couple of dudes holding you down Mm. while whoever was performing the trepanation performed the trepanation.
0: Yeah, that's rough. Uh, another thing they would do, and to me, this is one of the better band names we've had in a while, they would use uh, somniferous agents. And that's, you know, depends on where you are in the world and when it is. It could be cocoa extract, it could be poppy, it could be just getting them super drunk on wine, mm-hmm. just basically anything to kind of dull somebody out a little bit.
1: Yeah, and one of the places that just used restraint was among the uh, Kisi. I think I'm saying that right, the Kese people? yeah uh in Kenya, who were practicing this as recently as the mid 1960s um using basically the old traditions and uh a uh, I think an anthropologist i'm not hundred percent sure e l Margetts went back um twenty five years later a decade or two ago and reported that they're still doing the trepanation surgery, but now they're using like local anesthetic and some other stuff right but this is still performed in some in some places, and um for that reason. There's, like, a group of people in the Western world, um, on the Internet even, who but basically who basically say, like, hey, you know what the Kisi people are doing in Kenya? Like, that's part of a really ancient tradition, and we are here for it. And there's a, a, a trepanation, basically appreciation society that has developed pre-Internet but really took off when the Internet came around.
0: Yeah, and there are people in – I know this is what we talked about at some point because I remember self-trepanation. Yeah, I
1: kind of do too. And no.
0: talking about that, but there was an artist name and a lobbyist name, Amanda, Amanda Fielding, uh, Countess of uh, Wemyss and March, mm-hmm. whatever that means. And in the nineteenth, <laughs> is that what that is?
1: Uh, yeah, she's uh, she's royalty. She's a minor royalty, but oh, that's Habsburg, for real. I thought lineage. it was just
0: something she made up.
1: No, no, I think she's actual royalty. <laughs>
0: All right, well, in 1970, she performed an act of self-trepanation. Uh, a couple of years after that, a man named Peaver Halverson did it. Peter. What'd I say? Peaver. Why am I sticking Vs in there? Leave it to Peaver. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on with me? Can you just Maybe- see...
1: Peter Halverson listening to this, and he's like, oh, they mentioned Amanda Fielding. I know I'm next. I know right. I'm next. And comes. then you hit him with
0: the peaver, and <laughs> he's like, peaver?
1: <laughs> Man.
0: I'm so sorry, Pete. Very sorry. Uh, and then there's a guy named Bert. Uh, I'm sorry, Bart. You know what the real problem is? I have a light off in here, and I can't see as well. Oh, I,
1: I would say that might have something to do with it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Bart Hugess?
1: Well, he's Dutch, so I'll bet it's we would say Bart Hugess. Sure. Oh really? It's,
0: it's probably that. Uh he is a former med student and he got really into this. In nineteen sixty two he had a uh he wrote something called Large Mechanism of Brain Blood Volume. All one All word. All one word. Yeah. And he said that you know what, a person's level of consciousness really depends on how much blood is flowing to the brain. Maybe there's something to that. Mm-hmm. And he said it, it falls uh it falls as we get older and um so maybe what we should do is trepan tr- ourselves basically and open up our creativity
1: yeah his his whole point was that if you look at kids kids are way more creative they're way more free they enjoy life more and that just so happens that their skulls haven't fully fused so his whole thing was if you are an adult your skulls fused for the most part you you have a fused skull some very lucky people um don't ever have their skull fused, according to Bart Hughes. And he actually apparently talked John Lennon out of self-trepanation or being trepanned because he said, you probably wouldn't notice a difference because I suspect that your skull isn't fully fused. You're a very creative person.
0: Yeah, I don't know about that, but is that the, real?
1: Yeah. But then John Lennon went to recommend trepanning to Paul McCartney, who said, nah, I'm not going to do that.
0: But really? This, guy, yeah. this you should cut a hole in your head. <laughs> this
1: guy was like a, a guru of trepanation and, and ended up like, creating this following, including Amanda Fielding and Peter Halverson, and they went on to basically carry on this guy's vision. Um, Halverson formed the International Trepanation Advocacy Group. Fielding runs the Beckley Foundation, and both of them help people get trepanation surgery, I think, from this one surgeon down in Mexico. And they all believe that it's like this basically shortcut to psychedelic existence and opening up the third eye and becoming a more spiritual, happier person. There you go. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Western researchers are like, no, this, this goes against science. This doesn't make sense. Like, yes, if you have a problem in your brain, if there's like, if you have inflammation, opening up your brain will help with blood flow. We know that. We perform that surgery. It's trepanation. We call it craniotomy, but we do it. But if you're healthy... And you don't have inflammation in your brain and everything's just normal. This is not going to help you. And the Internet right. said, I can't hear you. All I heard was what these other people said. And it kind right. of took off on the Internet for, to to some extent. I don't want to say it's like huge, but it's still got some sort of traction and following on online, I believe.
0: Well, it, it took off so much that the British Medical Journal, uh, Journal felt the need to say, hey, uh, medical establishment, be on the lookout for this. If someone shows up that has drilled their head. Uh, at least you know what's going on.
1: Yeah, and all the trepanation people were like, yeah, establishment. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: My freedoms.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, that's out there. It's a thing, and it's probably not helpful at all. So it's not going to cure depression or anxiety or anything like that, which is some of the things that tout. So be careful out there, everybody. Meaning – yes. To wit, don't trepan yourself or have somebody else trepan you,
0: okay? No, the only only grooving you should be doing is on that wooden floor. Yeah,
1: I love it when we're grooving together. <laughs>
0: Very nice. Uh, you got
1: anything else? I got nothing else. Well, I don't either, so that means that this episode of Trepanation has... Oh, yeah, I keep trying to end everything like a short stuff. Let me do it differently, everybody. If you want to know more about Trepanation, go read up on Trepanation. It's pretty interesting stuff. And since I said that, it's time for listener mail.
0: I'm going to call this uh, Josh Made Me Quit Vaping. Oh, I saw this one. I was so proud. It was great. Hi, guys. Never thought I'd have a reason to email, but now I do want to say thank you for essentially making me want to quit vaping. I was listening to your child labor episode and got to the part where Josh said he'd been smoking, uh, started smoking in his young teens and then quit in his adult years. Uh, I only started using a vape one year ago and hadn't really considered quitting anytime soon. I just kept telling myself I would get around to it. You guys made me get around to it. I paused the episode. Wow. Threw the vape away. Mm -hmm. And now I'm one week off of it. Man, that's awesome. As a goal, I told myself I couldn't listen to the rest of the podcast until September 1st. Wow, I love this. Uh, And could only listen if I avoided vaping. So far, I've had no urge to go back. Thank you guys for helping me get a jump on quitting early on. I believe you saved me from some unnecessary future misery. Mm Mm-hmm. I appreciate everything you guys do, and that is from uh, Tim. That's awesome, Tim. I was so glad to hear
1: that. I haven't written him back quite yet, but he's in my inbox.
0: Well, I'm going to tell him he made listener mail. So hopefully, Tim will be like, uh, won't be like I started vaping again. <laughs>
1: right? No, don't, don't, don't do that. Um, congratulations, Tim. I really do think that was a very good move. And if you want to be like Tim, then you just throw your vape away too. Throw your pack of cigarettes away and get started. It's like. Um, Like Bob Hope always said, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. That's right. (laughs) And that was from Tim, of course. So if you want to write to us like Tim did, you can send us an email, everybody. StuffPodcasts at iHeartRadio.com.
0: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.